It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van Alstyle. And we are live. Welcome to Car con Carney. Welcome back to the working week. I'm James Van Osel. Yes, I, I did do a podcast from my car as used to be the norm. I did a podcast from my car on Saturday, I'm kind of doing this hybrid thing for right now. I will be back in the car again. It is Car Con Carney. We will do interviews in the car. But as needs arise, I'll be doing things remote. And I have a need that has arisen, which is why I'm doing it remotely tonight. Uh, a couple of quick points of business, points of order. I don't know. Uh, the Double Door podcast is a biweekly podcast about the rebirth of Double Door. Double Door is a long-running, celebrated live music venue in Chicago. It was in Wicker Park for a very long time. Then it was unceremoniously yanked from the music landscape, landlord issues and whatnot. Double Door is being reborn. It's being reborn in the uptown neighborhood of Chicago at Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> I had to think about that. Wilson and Broadway. I, I really believe that this new Double Door space is going to do for uptown in Chicago what it did for Wicker Park in Chicago in the 90s and the 21st century. How this club is coming together, the, the permits being pulled, the walls being knocked down, all the minutia, which is super fascinating, is chronicled in the Double Door podcast hosted by Sean and Pete, the co-owners of Double Door. Every other Tuesday, you can hear a new episode and there's video on their YouTube to, to back it up. Really cool. If you're a fan of music, uh, business, uh, behind the scenes stuff, cool podcast for you, the Double Door podcast episode three launches tomorrow as for me here on carquin carney tomorrow old radio habits die hard tomorrow's two for tuesday i'll have two different interviews running tomorrow night first off i'll be talking to people from the aaw if you like professional wrestling it is coming back to chicago this coming weekend the jim line memorial tournament happening in the bucolic suburb of Berwyn. I'll have Tyler Voles, who does play-by-play -play for the AAW, and Kevin Kellum, who does interviews and behind-the-scenes stuff, and who's also a notable, noted stand-up comic in the local comedy scene, joining me tomorrow night to talk AAW. And artist, like visual artist, painter, George Zach will be joining me tomorrow night. He's doing a pop-up art installation at Liars Club this coming week, and we'll be looking at some of his stuff and talking about how to see it and what, what his inspirations are. As for tonight, though, this is uh, this is exciting. This is how you start a week. It's no longer charming to be the asshole writing songs and criticizing everyone else. It is Ryan Malott from 500 Miles to Memphis joining me from uh, Ohio this evening. Nice to meet you. Nice to see you. Yeah, man. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on. This is great. And uh, nice, uh, nice pool, man. Nice quote. You're, <laughs> you quoted uh, the, our single. I love that. It's one of my well, favorite lines. It's kind of a mission statement for the album, though, isn't it? It absolutely is. Yes. So the, the album totally. is Hard to Love. The new album's Hard to Love. just came out on Friday. We're recording this on Monday. It is brand new, out in the universe. Uh, the la I, Taking a step back, the last album was the product or the result of springing out of addiction and recovery. Where, mm -hmm. does, this, where does this album find you? Oh, boy. This one... Uh... <laughs> maybe a little falling off of the wagon a bit. <laughs> oh, no. uh, it's real life, man. Uh, yes, I was sober for eight years and um, 
the previous album we did, I think, was a uh, sort of love letter to getting our, not just me, but the rest of my bandmates, sort of a love letter uh, and journal entry, so to speak, about getting our lives together because we were, I mean, just absolute train wrecks. Um, so anyway, we got, our, you know, we got things together. We have wives, we have kids now, like we're borderline responsible adults. Uh, it, and then, you know, 2020 happened and uh, uh, most of us fell off the wagon a bit, uh, which, you know, didn't get into any trouble by any means. But I think we are starting to find a balance between teetotaling. I'm talking about alcohol, by the way, not drugs. Um, we're finding a balance between teetotaling and just having an occasional drink amongst friends, which if there is anyone out there that's in AA, you're going to hate me for even saying any of this. But uh it's not for everyone. Some people absolutely need to not have a drop, but uh, uh, we are starting to find that balance of drinking responsibly, you know? Um, so anyway, this record is a little more real life and it deals with a lot more issues than just, uh, you know, past mistakes and screwing up. Um, this one's, I think, a little more about uh, our take on the world and state of affairs was way more political than previous albums. Um, and, uh, you know, w we have something to say about everything. And, and that's, uh, that's what this record is. Yeah. Well, and you led me right to it. So the new album, Heart to Love, uh, again, 500 Miles to Memphis, Weight of the World, one of the uh, first songs you hear on this. It's hard to love when everybody hates. If there's not a line that, that's spun out of the pandemic and the political situation of the past several years, I don't know. I mean, that's it. That summarizes everything. Well, thank you. That's, that's yeah, the world man, we live I, in. Absolutely. It is. I do find that it it is hard to love because I'm definitely a lover and like I'm a I'm a bit of a pacifist and like I really don't like confrontation. Uh as many bar fights as I've been in over the years being in this band. Uh I I don't like confrontation and I I'm a peaceful person, but I do find that it's hard to love uh, when you are faced with so much animosity and hatred. And it's all obviously fueled from social media. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think 2020 showed us just how bad it can get. And uh, well, and anyway, that's, that's the, that sums up a lot of the record is just how things can kind of spiral out of control and snowball. And uh, it's hard to love when everybody hates. So yeah, I, I hit a point in 2020, exactly what you're saying. I, I would doom scroll on social media. I'd read these comments and they would be enraging. They'd be fatiguing. They would just make me feel sad and awful. I just, I'm like, fuck, I've got to put down the phone. I've got to turn off the computer. I'm going to go for a long walk. Now I'm going to put on my headphones and listen to anything. That's not this. And it yeah. just, we, we all had to find our ways through it. I mean, for you, maybe it's relearning how to drink socially or create music, write songs. For me, I'm like, I just need to run away from this for a little bit and get some fresh air. I mean, we all had to find ways to navigate around this vitriol. And it is, it, it, and we're seeing it now with all the Facebook stuff coming out. It is just the, the yeah. fires are being stoked by social. And, and we're, yeah. I, we all keep going back to it. I mean, it's this drug we can't kick. We know it's bad for us. But yeah, but well, it's like watching 
uh, you know, I, I always hated reality television. And now it, it, it's almost that same sort of thing. Uh, but this time, the reality television is people that you know and went to high school with and grew up with. And, right. and now all of a sudden, everyone is quarantined, stuck inside, and they have opinions all of a sudden. Politi- very political, divisive opinions. And it was really surprising to me to see some of these people that I knew and cared for voicing some very aggressive and hateful messages, yeah. uh, you know, on Facebook. And, uh, and, and by the way, Facebook. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't really mess around in Twitter. It's just, I need one platform is enough. So I moved over to Instagram just because it's much more pleasant. Uh, but yeah, I got definitely got sucked into that, uh, the vortex of Facebook sort of like mid 2020 and finally got out of it. But, uh, it was just so wild seeing just how many people had so many things and hateful things to say. And uh, it was surprising. And it's like, wow. And then you realize, like, holy shit, they are not getting the same news as I am. That's the thing. Right. If you are getting your news from social media, that's a problem. Absolutely. You absolutely have to go to a trusted publication to get your news. And uh, I think that is a a lesson I think a lot of people need to learn. I mean, journalism exists for a reason. I mean... I'm not going to speak about Fox news by any means, uh, whatever, but, uh, it's not Facebook, you know, what you're saying about getting your news on social media. It's not just that people are getting their news on social media. They're getting their headlines on social media. Like they're forming opinions based on headlines and comments and not actually clicking through to the content. They're not actually digging in for the story. They're just formulating opinions based on, whatever kind of clickbaity, masturbaity, awful baity headline they're seeing mm-hmm. on, on social. And that, oh my God, that doesn't help anybody. Oh, no. Well, and then, you know, at the time we had, we had a president that was doing the same exact thing, fueling the fire. Exactly. So, well, speaking of which, hard, bar- hard Bargain ends the album. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, you, you said, that, you know, you, this band is more political this time. Hard Bargain uh, certainly fits the bill right there. You, you yeah, Absolutely. About- yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> where do I even begin on that one? Um, I think so. Hard Bargain was one of the first songs that I wrote for the record. And uh, so I wrote that in early 2020 before the insurrection, before, I mean, honestly, before the shit had really truly hit the fan. So I think I wrote that one in April of uh, 2020. And I was already mentally exhausted from all of the news headlines and the drama and just the bullshit of, I mean, everyone's tired of it, you know? Uh, but yeah, so, so hard pill and hard bargain are sort of, uh, they're the two tracks just right next to each other. They, they close out the album. So hard, hard pill is sort of the, uh, the journey we're on at the beginning of 2020. It's like, Oh, so this is a very difficult situation that we're all faced with. It sucks and we just have to fucking take it. And we've all got to quarantine. We all got to do our part. And, you know, it seemed like in the beginning, everyone was on board and was like, all right, let's quarantine. How long again? <laughs> uh, right. 
<laughs> so, you know, that's kind of what hard feels about. And then you get into hard bargain and, and hard bargain is more about the fatigue and the rage and uh, just the sheer psychosis that came out of uh, 2020. And like I said, I wrote that in like the second quarter of 2020. It hadn't even gotten to its, uh, you know, peak of awful. Well, and hard pill, we're recording this six days before Halloween, you kind of have a Halloween friendly exorcist friendly lyric. Did Christ compel you? You can paraphrase <laughs> that and make it, make it exorcist. Like if you want to make it seasonal or topical, uh, th- uh the- you actually, you should watch our previous, our music video from, uh, 2019. We, we used 600 gallons of blood. Uh, is, is this your was- time of year? Do you, do you, lo- do you love Halloween? Is this like, Oh yeah. Season- so, we're definitely not a horror punk band no. by any means, but we, we definitely skew that way. Uh, you know, like all of our shirts have skulls on them and it's just like, it's kind of our vibe where we love horror movies. We just kind of wear it as like a wear it on yeah. our sleeves. Like, yeah, man, we love horror movies, but we're not a horror punk band. We just, we just like that stuff. Also love star Wars, you know? Uh, did you watch the new Dune yet? I am going to see it tonight in the theater because I don't want to watch it uh, on, you know, HBO. I want to actually watch it in the theater properly. So I'm okay. going with a buddy later tonight. See, the, I think that's the way to do it. I watched it. It was last night. I started to watch it. And it was the end of the day. I'm at home. I'm on my couch. All the tones are very muted. People are talking quietly. And I got very sleepy as I was yeah. watching. Like, I need to see it. I mean, it, it was visually beautiful, but I just I, sometimes when you're at home, it's just too easy to be distracted and not zeroed in on what you're watching. I think for a movie like that, seeing it in the theater sure. is the way to go. Do you have kids? I do. I've got uh, two teenagers. Oh, okay. Um, I, I've got uh, a four-year-old and a six-year-old, a boy and a girl. So watching anything at home is nearly impossible. And, and watching it loud, which, you know, that's how you want to watch a movie like Dune. Like, I want Absolutely. to turn it up. And I can't because it'll wake up the kids and they'll come down and probably see something that'll traumatize them for the rest of their lives. So, uh, you know, all the really like the good horror stuff, like I have to watch it real quiet and it doesn't have the same effect. I I love horror movies, flat out favorite genre. I I, Halloween, like there are people who go on these kicks like every October, I'm going to watch a Halloween movie a night for 31 days. Like, fuck, what about the other 11 months? Let's let's watch horror movies all year round. Here, dude. <laughs> Here's my ash. Ash nice. I keep him right, right by. He's on my desk at all times. <laughs> That's amazing. But when my kids were your kids' age, same thing. Like I couldn't watch horror movies at home, and you know, you spend so much time watching movies with them and just trying to organize them, get them ready for bed, and feed them. By the time you have time to yourself, you're like, oh my god, I just need to sleep or something. So I, I never, I, I went years without really watching a lot of horror the second they became a little more independent i went all in it was like someone getting paroled from prison and like seeing their Uh, first you know or having their first like sexual encounter after being locked up for 10 years like oh my god i'm gonna watch (laughs) all the horror movies this is great Uh, and it's been it's been nonstop ever since like every night i'm like what haven't i seen well i haven't seen blackula yet and it's you know it's, it's high time i watch that that's where my head's at i can't i can't get enough Awesome. I can't wait to be where you are. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. It's glorious. Yeah. It, it is glorious. Uh, also on the album, there's Control Alt Country, which That's has my this... favorite track. That's okay. my favorite song I've ever written in my life. Really? Okay. Because yeah. I want to talk about Alt Country, but 
there's this cool like synthy tech heavy mm-hmm. lead into the song as we talk about hard drinking heavy drinking the lifestyle uh i i feel like that's part of the script of country punk and just mm-hmm. you know the, the there's like a there's a persona that goes along with alt country isn't there oh yeah man you nailed it uh and i i'm so so tired of that cliche um but i mean there's no doubt about it we were partiers tried and true you know we've we're we've been a band for almost 20 years now and the first eh, 12 13 years 14 15 geez it's been a long time we were just the party band coming to town to rage and you know we would play our set and then we would close the bar down with our fans every night and uh you know that catches up with you and then you become an alcoholic pretty freaking quick uh, but yes, we, we became a cliche. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Like we were an absolute cliche, uh, cow punk band. And, uh, you know, I, as we've progressed, we've, uh, evolved beyond that. And I, I've always hated the term cow punk for us anyway, because, uh, we're, a, we're a bit more than that. You know, when I, when I think about cow punk, I think, uh, you know, the theme song, the King on the Hill, like that's cow punk. It's kind of tongue in cheek. It's not serious. We're we're lyrically have always been a very serious band, mm-hmm. um, but the shows have always been fun and rowdy. Uh, so that's kind of why I've always pushed away from that genre, calling ourselves cowpunk. So anyway, we we sort of just over time have evolved, and uh, now we're, we we just call it like punk rock Americana because it definitely has elements of country, bluegrass, and obviously punk rock. Um, but I am going down a rabbit hole and I feel like you asked something and well, I, I'm let's, forgetting. Let's talk about control all country. Why okay. is that? Why is that your favorite? Oh, okay. Well, um, so it, the beginning of our conversation, you were talking about social media and I think that we are in a primitive age of information. And that's the first line of that song is, uh, you know, we, we worship these digital heroes from our cell phones and our laptops and, there is so much, we, we put so much stock and time. I mean, if you look at the metrics on your, your like I have an iPhone and it'll tell you which, how much time, how much screen time you have each day. And it, it, it's depressing. Like, it's like, oh my God, I've spent five hours staring at my cell phone today. Right. Um, so, and we're all guilty of it, man. I'm like, I am as bad as anyone. So it's not a judgmental thing. I just think, it's just a comment on society. It's where we are. I think we're in this primitive age of information and we are learning how to properly use technology. And, uh, you know, and this is coming from a guy, like it took me forever to get on social media, you know, like the, the first 10 years of our band, you know, we did not utilize social media at all. Like we had zero online footprint and we just, we were doing 300 shows a year. It was just old school, you know, that's just how we did it. And that's how we build a fan base was, you know, naturally. And then all of a sudden we start utilizing the internet and like, we, it grew like a lot faster that way. Uh, but, you know, then again, everything just comes right back to 2020. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely like, we're all in on this whole, you know, social media thing and just like, promoting shows that way. You don't go plastering flyers around, you know, the street corner, the laundry mat. You don't do that anymore. 
you you buy a Facebook ad, you know, in whatever city you're playing and, uh, you know, try to push ticket sales that way because that's where people are now. That's where their eyeballs are. Um, so th that, that's sort of what Control Alt Country is about is uh, just sort of navigating these precarious waters of where do we go from here? Because certainly th this has to be the, the, the infantile stage of social media, I feel like. like I, I do have hope, very hopeful. I think we're going to evolve and figure out a responsible way to use the internet and a, a responsible way to use social media. And, you know, maybe 10 years from now, we'll look back on Facebook and be like, oh my God, can you believe we, I don't know. It's, it's so far to think that far ahead. <laughs> you, you made me think of something. I had um, some local friends, Lucky Boys Confusion, who had a moment I in Chicago. They've been, they've been around for yeah. a while. I had them on a few nights ago. And back in the day, they were flyering laundromats and everything you said, putting stuff out, getting the getting the word out that way, the, the old school way. And that made me wonder, and I'd, I'd be curious to hear your thought on it too. Do scenes exist like that anymore like they were able to build a local scene in their suburban community just by flyering and building presence and you know making people feel that kind of like local pride of ownership is it possible to build scenes in this social media digital age anymore i miss that and i have wondered the same thing myself i think that's a great question um I honestly think that maybe I'm too old and too far removed from the youth to really understand. Cause I'm, there has to be, there has to be a scene, you know, like I, I mean, I can definitely speak for Cincinnati and, and Kentucky, like this area is absolutely a great music scene. It doesn't exist in the same way it did, you know, in the nineties, in the early aughts where we had this area of town called short pine and, it was like where all the punk venues were and not just punk venues, but like the coolest music venues. Yeah. And it was, it was really close to the college campus. You know, had a lot of progressive thinkers and like radio shows and, and magazines, you know, or a fanzine starting. And like, it was just this sort of like artistic Mecca of Cincinnati. The Afghan wigs were spawned out of it. Ass ponies were spawned out of it. Uh, I mean, probably a lot of other bands that I'm even forgetting to mention, but it was a very contained area that uh, actually, I think M MTV did a segment on Short Vine in Cincinnati and they were touting it as possibly the next Seattle. That didn't happen, but it's a very cool part of town and that doesn't exist anymore. And, and to your point, like I don't even, if I even wanted to flyer, I have no idea where I would do it. Like, because there, there's not really a contained area that's as seen. So young, the, the younger bands that are trying to like break in today that are, you know, doing it and actually drawing crowds, uh, I think it, they're doing it. They're using social media, you know, the mm -hmm. right way because they, they've grown up with it and they, they actually know how to use it. Um, so, I mean, there's this band from here called Mother Folk. Are you familiar with them? I'm not. Oh my God, they're, they're fantastic. And they have, I mean, just an insane amount of followers. I mean, they have, like they're, they're blowing up and I wouldn't be surprised if you don't hear their name soon, uh, but they're, they're busting their ass. They're touring all over the country. So they're, they're like pounding the pavement doing that thing, which is like 
I love seeing that. I, I commend yeah. bands for still pounding the pavement and doing that thing. But they're also, you know, they're taking care of that online presence too. And uh, so as far as the scene, I just think it's digital now. Yeah. I think sure. that's how that's ba- not a bands bad thing. are connecting. Yeah. That's just where we're at right now. And I think scene building just took on a different texture and, yeah. and approach. It's just totally. interesting because, I mean, we are both of a certain era where it was a very different world. <laughs> Hey, the, yeah. the second someone like you says, I remember flyering or postering and, you know, before a show to get, get people, you know, just bring your, put your band's name out there. You don't mm-hmm. need to do that anymore, but by the oh, same man. token, it, it's so hard to corral like that local loyalty. Uh, mailing press kits too. Oh my God. Oh, God. You know, putting like mailers together and mailing out to venues and trying to book tours and stuff. And just like, hopefully they give you a phone call. And, you know, hopefully you're home to answer the phone when they call. Um, yeah, so it has made things like that so much easier. Uh, yeah, sure. the first the first few years of the band, oh, my God, dude, it was so hard just to get a show booked because you were, right. I was, I mean, I spent like every dime I had trying to like print pictures and put a cassette tape together or it's actually cd i was still it was still cds at the time um and just getting that mailed out i mean that was expensive for you know a 19 year old kid like i was uh i was working at a bookstore making like five bucks an hour spending every dime i had putting press kits together so that my band could go on the road you know you you mentioned facebook it's it's where you are and instagram as well I, th- I think, you know, you've been in this business a long enough time and you, you've seen it done enough for other. I, I, have, I have a lot of independent musicians and musicians who, who watch and listen to this. Would you agree or not agree that for a social media approach, you can't do everything and you should v- zero in on the shit you're good at? Like, for instance, 500 miles to Memphis maybe isn't a TikTok band. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Yeah, you're right. Play to your strengths. Yeah, man. Um, I I do, uh, you know, I, I do reels on Instagram quite a bit. You know, like I'll, I'll pick, you know, just some famous song and, you know, do a little banjo picking and singing and just like do a little bluegrass thing. And uh, p- people dig that. But definitely, I mean, I've never even used TikTok. I, I have no idea. I've never even downloaded it. So I have no idea how to use it. And I'm fine with that. It's just... I just have fatigue. I have like technology fatigue where it's yeah. like, man, I, I mean, I'm not kidding. I just learned how to use Instagram last year and you know, it's been around forever. And then all of a sudden there's TikTok pops up and I'm just like, I, I just learned Instagram. I can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go with what yeah. you're good at. You, you can't win everything. And sec- but, unfortunately, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like just on the same point of, uh, you know, trying to zero in on what you're good at. But unfortunately for independent bands, like you not only have to be stellar live and write good music that people want to stream and listen to and the, the actual art that we are doing this for, you also have to be, you know, a, a graphic designer, a marketer. You got to be able to build your own website. You got to be able to know how to promote yourself. I mean, you literally have to be like a marketing powerhouse. And that kind of that that sucks because there are so many great musicians out there that can't do that because that is a totally different skill set 
for sure. Uh, and, and they'll get lost to the ether because they don't know how to build websites or, you know, engage with social media. And like, it's tough. Well, and this is true of the creative community writ large. I, as a podcaster, same thing. And it's a, it's a disconnect when it comes to, you know, in podcasting, you have to find ways to monetize your podcast. We don't go on the road. We don't sell merch. Most of us don't. How do we find ways to monetize it? Well, we have to turn on that other side of the brain where we're selling ourselves and we, we yeah. have to like pitch ourselves. And it's very similar. Like we just want to create content, but we have to know I, I had to put together a website. I had to put together an email list. I had to figure out social. It, I get it because as a creator, you just want to create, but in order to be effective independently, you got to figure out all the other shit too. And that's, it's a heavy lift for a lot of people. Yeah, man. Um, we've, you know, we've worked with a couple of really great record labels over the years. Um, and they are good at handling this very small piece of the pie that I can't do. Uh, but you, you know, I'm like distribution, things like that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and they're good at giving advice. Um, but this whole other, like, 80% of the pie, you got to figure out on your own. Right. And uh, I, I mean, you know, like, uh, we've never had a booking agent ever. I have booked and managed this band from day one. And, you know, getting, once you finally get the show booked, say you're trying to break into a new market. I mean, I remember trying to break into the Chicago market, like finally getting someone to take a chance on you and book you like, well, who the hell is this band from Cincinnati, Ohio? Uh, having someone take a chance, book you, and then keep having you back. And then you also, at the same time, like you got to like promote and promoting in my own town is hard enough, but you know, promoting myself in Chicago, it's right. like, how in the world if you have to use social media, you have to, you kind of got to buy ads to, uh, to spread the word. I mean, it's, there's really no way around it that I know of. If you know of another way, please let me know. <laughs> if only, if only. Yeah. So again, the new album is hard to love. 500 miles to Memphis, new album, hard to love. You mentioned putting stuff out on compact disc back in the day. Did you ever, Ryan, in your wildest dreams, think you'd see a day where cassettes would swing back around and you'd be putting out new music on cassette? No, definitely not. I thought that was dead. And uh, I've never, we've never, well, aside from old demos that, only i have we've never been on cassette we've never released a cassette until sexy baby records from chicago i for some reason man uh they're they're so kind and they got a hold of me and said hey would you care if i put this out on cassette and i was like oh my god i would be yes. honored yes please do that well here's the interesting thing i, I mentioned that i have two teenagers my son is very much into music and I've got him or he, he got himself into collecting vinyl and we go record shopping and stuff. And cool. he asked, he asked me a couple of weeks ago, he said, what's the point of CDs? I said, well, you know, he, I explained what the CD is all about. He said, I don't know if I'd ever want to buy a CD, but cassettes look cool to me. They, they, they're cool little packages. He's like, those, and this is someone who never grew up with cassettes, never owned a boombox or a Walkman or anything. He just liked yeah. the look and the vibe of cassettes. I thought that's interesting because he is a teenager and this is a product from decades past, which is appealing to him. So I thought that was a yeah. good sign. Well, I, 
Yeah, I, I think cassettes are visually much cooler. They look like, you know, like a transformer, man, you know? Uh, and also, you know, kids these days, I mean, walk down the toy aisle in Target, which I spend a lot of time there because I have kids and I also like toys. But, I mean, I, I walked, I was there today and I saw, there's Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, right. Star Wars. I mean, literally everything from the 80s. And it, it like the toy aisle looks exactly the same as it did when I was <laughs> so a kid. True. And it's so yeah, true. it's crazy. So I'm not super surprised that, you know, someone your son's age would be like, Hey, I'm kind of interested in those cassette things. Cause it's like, well, I feel like their generation is so obsessed with the eighties anyway, you know, it would make sense. Well, and but compact- maybe eventually someone will think CDs are cool. We still print CDs, man. We, we sold a ton of them this weekend. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what about vinyl for this release? Uh, so vinyl manufacturing is super backed up because that's of, what everyone's saying. Know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's coming, but it likely won't come until we're planning on spring of 22. So we'll be touring on that and we'll release Good. the vinyl then. Yep. Again, like my cassette question, did you ever think we'd be in a period where vinyl is the number one way to sell physical music media? I, so it seemed like in the late aughts, it was starting to make a comeback. Um, I didn't think that we would, it would be like the number one way that we sell music. Um, Because, you know, unfortunately, we have to give away our music because it streams. So there's no way to make money on our records anymore. So the fact that like vinyl has just blown up, it's the best of both worlds. So if I'm at, if we're playing a show someone comes to the merch table and buys the actual record or goes to an independent music store and buys the mm-hmm. record. Um, so we, we get the money from that. And then, you know, they can't take it in their car with them. Like they can a CD or cassette tape. So they're usually streaming it in their car. So we're, we're not only have we gotten the 20 bucks from the, uh, the vinyl sale, we're getting streams on Spotify, which is a huge help for the band. So, Honestly, vinyl sales, I think that is the best way you can support a band. Buy the vinyl, listen to it at your house, stream it on Spotify in your car. Dude, that was me this entire weekend with the new Bronx album. I listened to it oh, incessantly man, I on heard vinyl. It. And then awesome. I'd get in my car. I'm like, I want to hear those songs again. It's so good. It's just yeah. it's just tough, swaggery rock and roll. That's all it oh, is. Oh, dude. Yeah, I know. They're great. I have not picked up the new album yet, and I fully intend to. All right, but your album, Hard to Love, it's new, it's out, recorded completely DIY at your place. Yes, sir. This was a pandemic era. Like, let's just figure this shit out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, our previous record we released in 2019 called Blessed Be the Damned. And, you know, it got a massive publicity push. And, you know, we, we put a lot of money behind it, pushed it, toured it, you know, did all that. And, you know, typically with an album release, we can usually count on selling enough to, uh, you know, make the make that investment back and then put the money in our pockets. And we can usually count on that. So we uh, released 2019 toward for the whole year and then get to 2020. And we there was there was nothing. There was no way mm-hmm. for us to start recouping money to like pay that back because all of our money comes from shows. I mean, right. 
I'm just going to go ahead and say 100% of our money comes from live shows and then what we sell at the merch table. Uh, we don't see anything from online sales. You know, even if you buy it on iTunes, like we don't see shit. Um, so anyway, we, we've missed out on, you know, a whole almost going on two years now. Uh, so we were in a lot of debt from that, honestly. So the only way that we saw that we could claw our way out is like, well, let's just release new music. Let's write some music and see what happens. And, uh, you know, it, it certainly was spawned because we were antsy and we, we had time on our hands and we were just writing the, like the best music of our careers. Cause you know, I, I think we were just very focused. Yeah. Um, and it just made sense. Like, so we started writing, uh, I sent it, I wrote a couple songs, sent it to the guys and I was like, Hey man, listen to this. I recorded this at my house. I think we can do this. And my bassist has been telling me for years, like, Hey man, we just need to record DIY. Let's stop spending money on studios. And I never really listened to him. Uh, but he was right. So, uh, that, that's what we did. We just, uh, we, we pretty much did it remotely. Um, I recorded most of the stuff here in my basement. Some of the guys would email me their tracks. Uh, Mike Maimon from uh, Chicago. Uh, he's our key player. and just, He played his keyboards in my car once. He brought a full keyboard. Oh, did he do the, 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 uh, the actual Car Fun Carne show? Yes, he did. Right he, uh, he played Tinfoil Hat in my car. Man. That's awesome. I need to check that out. Yeah, he's a super well, talented dude. Oh, absolutely. He's one of my favorite musicians of all time. Just so he uh when whenever we can, you know, we have him play with us live and uh he was uh, obvious you know to get a hold of him to do the record because I know he's able to record at home. So he he sent me some organ and piano tracks and they were obviously perfect cuz he's great. So I was able to mix them in. And uh, so, yeah, uh, we, we have a whole horn section and, you know, on a couple spots. Uh, but, yeah, everyone just emailed me their tracks and uh, I was able to, you know, mix everything in. And it turned out great. Like so much better than I thought. Uh, funny story. My uh, one of my guitarists was living in Seattle at the time and he didn't have a way to record. So he was singing his uh, vocals into the voice memo thing on <laughs> his iPhone. And he emailed me those tracks and I was able to mix them in and they sound fine. Then they were recorded on a cell phone. Technology, man. <laughs> That's the yeah. Right. See, that, 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 we keep going back to technology. Like it's a blessing and a curse. Like, in a lot of ways, man, it is so great. And that's one of the ways uh, he was. Well, what's happening right it, now it, is yeah. one of those ways. The fact that you it, and right, I, yeah, we're doing it now. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a radio show from our homes, basically, you know, across the Midwest. Yeah, it's so cool. dude. Um, so, yeah, anyway, so it, it all came together uh, very organically and, uh you know, the, the songs were, I think we were all just very inspired. So, uh, oh, excuse me, sorry. Someone is trying to call me. Um, we were all just very inspired and the songs just came much easier this time. And uh, I, I don't know, dude. I, I think a lot of, again, I think literally everyone has an opinion in 2020, as we can see on social media. Uh, and we are no different. And we were 
wearing our heart on our sleeve and we're like, well, you know what? We've got some things we want to say too. So let's sing about it. And, uh, and that's, yeah, that's it, man. Like, uh, and, and I love this album. It's my favorite album we've ever done. And uh, it's very raw, uh, but it still sonically sounds like I'm, I'm very proud of it. Like, I think it's one of our best sounding records, honestly. I love it. All right. Well, you need to go see Dune tonight. Yes, that's, sir. That's, <laughs> all right. So again, the new album, it, it's out. It is brand new. You can get it. Uh, 500 miles to Memphis. Ryan, thank you for doing this. Uh, I, I hope we get to me. see you get to see you here in Chicago at some point soon. We um we will be up your way. I mean, probably March. We'll definitely right. be there up in March. Yeah. Well, I'll be there. We'll be there. Awesome. Yeah, I'll get a hold of you. Thank you again for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for what you do. Super fucking cool that you have independent artists like me on, man. It's like, it's really cool. Thank you.